this belief, right? And of course, you know, if we think that we are in a deficit, you know, we can train hard, show up to a class, eat less and lose weight. And we will initially, yeah? And it will work for us for a little while. But then we start to learn that actually, you know, our body is quite complex. Our physiology is quite complex. And then maybe we're starting to realize that it's actually not working. Yeah, but where I wanted to start with is that this belief is not our fault. It's like from this fictional, you know, from fitness, from diet culture, basically. Yeah, that, you know, we follow a certain diet and we train hard. We do this certain type of training and then we can you know, we can lose weight. But like you said, Kitty, it's often at the detriment to our health. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm sitting down with our friend, Amy Bow, founder of Warrior School and Craig McDonald, co-founder of New Strength and the Win at Life program to discuss what it actually takes to transform your body in a healthy and sustainable way. If you're a woman listening to this podcast, you've probably, like me, done a ton of different diets and trained excessively to try and lose weight or get leaner. You've also probably been sold the eight to 12 week dream by the fitness industry. You know the one, achieve your dream body in an eight to 12 week challenge. What a load of shit this is. I've done many of these challenges and they drastically cut calories and have you doing a ton of exercise, which just sets you up with hormonal imbalances, fatigue, poor sleep and binge eating. And the only way you can sustain these results is to continue to cut calories and train excessively. In this episode, we talk about diet culture the type of training that will support your metabolism and build muscle and why this is important when it comes to a healthy and sustainable body transformation. Why body composition can't be your only why. Asking the right questions and focusing on what is relevant. Why getting your technique down and taking your time is so important when it comes to strength training. Tracking your food and how that relates to your relationship with food, when and why it's important and much more. As always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Let's spread the word and free other women from restrictive diets. Hi, Amy. Hi, Craig. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast. Well, not welcome, Craig, because obviously he's been on here before. Yeah, welcome to me. Hello. Everyone knows who Craig is, a.k.a. the sausage. But um, we've got an amazing guest today, Amy. She lives in Vancouver with her gorgeous um, dog and partner. She's actually Aussie, but she's got this really like random accent. Like when I first, when we were first voice messaged, I was like, "Are you from Ireland or are you from the UK?" Or I just couldn't figure out where you were from. Um, but she is Aussie, born and bred, yeah. and Cross she, Harbour, yeah. Cross Harbour, <laughs> land of the banana. Of the accent, yeah. Crack. <laughs> she uh, she is an amazing athlete, high level uh, g- gymnast and Olympic lifter, um, and she's just an amazing physique. She's also just a really awesome person. I really like her. We got on and had a coffee chat. You know when you just like click with people. I'm like, oh, she's good. She's cool. Uh, and she also runs a program quite similar to ours actually, where she helps. Women, you know, get stronger and improve their metabolisms and fuel their bodies and break free from all that stupid fucking restrictive diets out there. And I just wanted to have her on the podcast so that we could talk about, um, well, I guess there's a few things we wanted to talk about is 
you know, women and their expectations of what they want to look like and what they want to achieve and what it actually takes and, you know, um, some of, I guess, the roadblocks um, that come up for women and really trying to close that gap. And there's just heaps of other stuff we want to talk about. So I'll just, let's just start with letting Amy talk um, and just tell the <laughs> tell the viewers a bit about her background. Well, thank you, Kitty, for that lovely introduction. And yeah, I'm so excited to be on here with both of you. And we're going to chat. We're just going to make it up as we go. But <laughs> we'll wing it. Yeah, we'll wing it. Organic. Yeah, uh, Aussie way. <laughs> yeah, the, the Aussie way. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, like Kitty said, I live in Vancouver, but I am Australian. Uh, and I have been a coach for, I think it's about, 12 or 13 years now. What are you? Uh, I am going to be 34 this year. Mm. Yeah, I think. I think it's 34. You're like, hell, what am I getting? Is that really rude? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, no, I don't. I actually love getting older. Yeah, yeah. I love the experience. I am getting stronger. I become a better teacher. I become a better partner, a better human. I think there's such beauty in, in getting older. I know you would agree with me, Kitty. Well, you know, I just hit the fabulous 40 yeah. only in January. You know, I'm just yeah. embracing the grey hair too, letting this grow out, and I'll be the silver fox. That's what I'm going to call myself. Yeah. Craig, now we need to know how old you are. Uh, I I turned 38 in November, so I'm 30, 39. Oh, 39. Are you 39? Yeah. I thought you're 83. He's two years younger than me. Yeah. I'm 81. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think. Yeah, I've been a coach for about 12 years. Uh, I have a little bit of an interesting story. So I was originally going to go into performing arts. Uh, I did dancing and drama all throughout high school. Uh, And then my sister had anorexia. So she was sick for quite a long time. And then I decided that I would become a dietitian and I would specialize in eating disorders. So I actually... I got into performing arts school in Australia, but then decided to swing a hard left (laughs) and I did my undergrad degree in exercise science and nutrition and then moved to Melbourne in 2009 to do my master's in dietetics and did my master's in dietetics, went and found a few really good mentors that worked in the eating disorder space and started to learn under them. Can I ask you a quick question about that? What you learned in dietetics... Is it like the complete opposite of the, <laughs> what the nutrition that you actually recommend now? It's so funny that you say this because Leela, uh, she wrote me a message the other day saying, would you love to do a podcast on your training, your degree and what you learn in your degree? <laughs> Let's just say it was clinical and it was really unsatisfying. Uh, you know, in my undergrad degree, I learned a lot of nutritional biochemistry stuff, which is super cool to know, you know, the science is cool to know, but I think we get so caught up on the science that like, it doesn't really matter, you know, unless you're like an elite athlete and you're performing for most of us that, that science just, it doesn't really matter. So I did like the nutritional biochemistry and stuff in my undergrad, a little bit in my master's. But unfortunately, a master's in dietetics is super clinical. It's diet disease. It's, you know, major clinical placements in hospitals. And I remember my dad saying after I finish, so are you going to go and get like a job, like a real job, you know, in the hospital as a dietitian? And I said to him, 
my soul would just die if I had to be in that place. Like I did my major clinical placement for about three months. I think we had to be in there and I hated it. (laughs) And so, yeah, I think to answer your question, uh, it's the complete opposite. Like I wasn't taught about my approach to food through my degree. Uh, and I think that's really key because, you yeah. know, people can see what I do at, with my training and maybe my body composition and they'll lean into, well, you have a master's in dietetics, but unfortunately they don't teach you metabolic nutrition, uh, all the stuff that we practice through our work. I didn't learn through my master's degree. I have always been, I guess you could call a metabolic eater. I never knew what that meant, but I had always just preferred like metabolic foods. Um, and then you get sucked into all the bloody diet. Like, you know, we were talking, you said you've never really struggled with body image or diet. And I'm like, fucking how good is that? You yeah. know, like you just listen to your body and didn't get influenced by all the bullshit out there saying, oh, you know, cut out sugar and don't eat dairy and cut, you know, eat heaps of nuts and seeds. That's so amazing. Like it's so rare to come across a woman. Like we occasionally get them, but it's rare. It is really rare. And mm. and I think, yeah, and look, I grew up in a household though that there was always conversation about weight, shape or size. My mom and my auntie, you know, were always on a diet. My sister suffered anorexia. So I was brought up in diet culture for sure. But I think I like I had such a strong training background like I've been an athlete my whole life like I come from a gymnastics background then I danced and I can play I played like competitive hockey and I've been in a gym since I was about 14 years old so you know and then I got into Olympic weightlifting so I think from a food perspective it's always been about fueling my body and I've just always craved like metabolic foods mm-hmm. you know and I didn't know that until you know I found the work of Ray Pete and uh you know real food gangsters and yeah you start to do some research you're like oh that's what it is and that's why but yeah I don't come from I guess the typical dieting background um yeah, so then I did my master's and I worked in, cl- uh, in clinical practice for a couple of years with eating disorders, uh, but I realized I couldn't do it. I, I just, it was so hard, like working, you know, with them at, at right at the end when they're so clinically like unwell. And it was really hard because of my sister. So I went back to the training space and I just started PTing again uh, and Then what I started to notice was uh, all these women had, you know, these negative relationships with food and their body. Uh, And I had a back injury. I guess that's kind of where my training story starts and where I built my foundation. I was, uh, it was while I was doing my master's actually, I had a chronic back injury on and off for years, just you know, stress, sitting. I got into running in university. I was never a runner, but I just wanted to be good at it because I had never done it before. And then the excessive running paired with so much sitting and stress just caused, you know, like imbalances. I had a massive uh, anterior pelvic tilt, tight hip flexors, like the common thing you'll see with lower back pain. And I remember I was so, I was I was on, I, one day I was just like on the floor and I couldn't get up. My back was so bad. And I was referred to a trainer 
who specialized in rehabilitation and strength training. And this was in about 2013. And it was working with him. He really taught me how to build like a training foundation, like a proper training foundation, which is what we can speak about today, I think. Uh, And yeah, I'm so grateful for working with him because he taught me how to train, like the processes, the methods, you know, the awarenesses of your practices in and around your training, how to actually progress. Uh, And so I worked with him for oh, we were together for five or six years and he taught me how to Olympic lift. And then I started competing in Olympic weightlifting. Uh, And that's when I connected into my cycle because I was lifting for years. And then over, you know, over a year, I remember that I was tired and irritable all the time. I couldn't recover. And I eventually got injured and I went searching for that missing piece. Cause like I said, I'd always been really good with my food. I had a really good coach, a really good program, really good recovery practices. And I was like, something's missing. And then I went and looked at our hormones and our cycle and realized that I didn't really understand my cycle and how that could impact my training and could be a tool uh, to support my training. So that's how the cycle piece came in. And now, like you said, we do very similar work. I help women link the training, the nutrition and the cycle together so they can get results. Mm. That was a bit of a long-winded story. Sorry. Oh, it's good. It's really good and maybe lead into our next um First topic, I should say, and, and we we we, t- we talked about this just while we were off, obviously offline, um, is you know a lot of women. I think the fitness industry and the diet culture—it's all about how you look at the expense of your health. And I've been there and done it. You know, always just I was prior to meeting Craig and meeting Emma, I was just like, got to be lean, got to be under sixty-two kilos, and I just just dieted the fuck out of myself, and my weight would go up and down, up and down. You know, I didn't know how to lift properly. You know, I just, every, I actually, it was quite amazing. Every PT I ever worked with prior to meeting Craig, no one ever taught me how to like properly squat, deadlift, bench press. Like I could maybe squat max 60 kilos, not to depth, you know, never deadlifted, always hurt my back. Um, But they always just took me through all these sort of circuit type workouts. You know, I never really built any true strength or acquired any sort of skills. Um, and then, you know, I, then I met Craig and met Emma and Emma, you know, and found Ray Pete. And I just was like, wow, this, like, I can eat carbs and sugar. Like, this is incredible. Like, this is blowing my mind. I, I, you know, when you know, instinctively something's right. And I was, and I thought, oh, this is just why I've been fucked all these years. Cause I've just been doing the opposite of this. And I was like, this is like the Holy grail. Everyone needs to know about this. And Craig taught me how to lift and I just fell in love with the strength training. And cause I really like, like you, I, I like discipline and processes and like getting better at things. And I, instead of going, oh, I want to look better. I was like, I want to lift more. I want to become more capable of lifting more. And so I would eat more and just became obsessed with lifting and being better at lifting. And then naturally, obviously my body started to change and I was like growing muscle and looking more toned and athletic. And I think a lot of women want to achieve this toned and athletic. I'm just going to say toned and athletic because that's what women understand, you know, physique. They want to look toned. They want to have that toned physique. Um, But they're so focused on like flogging themselves and dieting what they don't realize is, you know, if you actually lift weights and become a better lifter and, 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 you know, fix your metabolism, then you can 
naturally you'll just look better anyway. And I think, you know, we talked about this. It's like bridging that gap between what women, you know, they, they might look at us and go, I really want to look like that. But you, you have to realise that it takes the, it's the work and the discipline. It's not discipline flogging yourself and eating 1,200 calories. It's discipline becoming better at the skill committing the time to learning how to lift, consistently fueling your body. So let's talk about that. Who wants to go first? <laughs> Who wants to jump in? <laughs> let's let our guests talk first, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> then you can talk. Go for it. <laughs> so do you want to talk about like building a training foundation? Yeah. Yeah, let, let's talk about like, you know, women, like I think probably where they get the wrong idea too is that they see these fitness models on Instagram doing like burpees and, you know, banded hip thrusts and all this cardio and they're like, oh, they look so good. You know, I want to look like that. And then you try and, you, you know, it's, it's often with us it's this re-education process. You know, you need to train like an athlete. You need to become better at the skill of lifting and build muscle to look like you want to look and trying to, and I remember when I first first started working with Craig, I still did hit after every session every day because I was like, oh, I've got to do cardio. I've got to do hit or running. I've got to go for a run. And it took me probably a few months to go, well, this is impacting my recovery. I don't actually need to do this, you know. So it's it's let's talk about that then. Yeah, I think there, well, there's a lot of pieces in it. I think the first is that we have this belief, you know, if I eat less, train more, I'll lose weight. Or if I, you know, eat this You probably will. Which <laughs> in reality, you will. If you eat 1,200 yeah. and you do more exercise, you will lose weight. But yes. It's, you can't maintain it. It destroys your metabolism. You burn off your precious muscle, you know, so you're losing fat and you're losing muscle, so you end up skinny fat. Yeah. With a low metabolism. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yeah. You, you do less, you do eat less and do more and you will lose weight. Yes. I was going to, I'm getting to the next part, Kitty. I'm oh, sorry. I won't cut you off again. <laughs> <laughs> I can yeah. We have this belief, right? And of course, you know, if we think that we are in a deficit, you know, we can train hard, show up to a class, eat less and lose weight. And we will initially. Yeah. And it will work for us for a little while, but then we start to learn that actually, you know, our body is quite complex. Our physiology is quite complex. And then maybe we're starting to realize that it's actually not working. Yeah. But the, where I wanted to start with is that this belief is not our fault. It's like from this fictional, you know, from fitness, from diet culture, basically. Yeah. That, you know, we follow a certain diet and we train hard or we do this certain type of training and then we can, you know, we can lose weight. But like you said, Kitty, it's often at the detriment to our health or other areas of our life. You know, we start to see hormonal imbalances, thyroid problems, you know, injuries, lack of progress in our training, inability to recover, skin breakouts, low sex drive, you know, all the the key signs that we can look for. Uh, So I think the first piece is that, you know, if you believe that, that that's not your fault, it's just diet culture and diet culture is everywhere that, you know, if we do, yeah, you know, if you eat less and train more, you will. But the next piece I think is, well, like, why do you train? Like, what do you, you know, if if it's coming from this place of like fear and scarcity, that it's only around like your weight, shape and size, that it's going to be squishy and stressful. And 
it really, I think from what I've seen in my work, it just creates more stress on an already stressed system, this constant focus on weight, shape, and size. Uh, and yeah, most of the women that, you know, start to work with me, they'll have a body composition goal. And I'm sure it's the same for, for your work with, yeah, the program. But, you know, if that is your only why, you're in for a hell of a ride (laughs) that it's going to be stressful and squishy and, you know, not a, not a really fun process, but if your goal is to feel like to have more energy, to feel stronger. Okay. Well then now we're coming from a place of like, all right, we we're a different place, you know, love and abundance and all right, we we're after this feeling, not just the aesthetics Uh, and the body composition can change as a result, but I don't think it's, it should be the goal. I think that's uh, so- a really, I just want to jump in here, good point, because I look at the women in our program who've got the best body composition changes and they're the ones that really love the lifting. Like, like I just mentioned before, they've become obsessed with, you know, I really want to be better at this. I want to be better at squatting. I see them upload their videos every week, take the feedback on board, go away, work on their hip stability or work on whatever it is they need to work on. And then gradually over time, they're getting better at the skill. They're getting more confident. They're adding more weight to the bar and their bodies are changing, but they're enjoying it. They're not like, I've got to get to this body composition goal and I'm going to be happy. You know, you, you nailed it, I think. Yeah, I think, and Craig, you could probably speak to this in your work, but that to me, it really comes down to, are you going for fear and scarcity? Is the goal, is your why just to change your weight, shape and size? Or is it from like love and abundance? And are you going to enjoy the process? You know, is your goal to feel stronger, to feel more capable, to have more energy, to be more resilient? And I, like you said, Kitty, it's that if you choose that second way, path B, you're going to enjoy the process more. And as a result, your body composition may change. Yeah, but it was never the goal. Mm, yeah. Well, maybe they come in and they they shift because I think it's like, and just from the women that come in, they all come in wanting to look better. They do. They do. They, they see the ads. They see me talking. They see the results and they're like, I want that look. But then they come in and they, they change. They start to go, okay, I get this. Like I'm feeling like I'm eating more food. I'm really valuing sleeping better and having more energy. I'm really enjoying this process of learning how to lift. It's empowering me. I'm feeling so fucking empowered, you know, like, and then, then they change and they shift and they shift their focus away from that. And then naturally they just look better anyway. Like their body fat, they, they change. Yeah. So, so everything that you're saying then is a byproduct of what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Right, so they come in with these these goals, maybe initially of, as you say, Amy, having the body composition and doing all this sort of stuff. But we know that that kind of singular focus doesn't deliver the result. The changes in the day to day and the lifestyles is what ends up delivering that outcome. So you need to look at this whole thing as a journey, not an end set point. And it's what we always see, like people look at, you know you know, for the women in our program that have had the best transformations, they're like, oh my God, how strong are you? How, you know, like, what are you doing there? Blah, blah, blah. blah. And and it's always from a, you know, like a training or like, what are you weeding or how are you lifting and and not forgetting? It's just like, well, some of these women were alcoholics. They don't drink at all anymore. You know, some of these people have really, really busy lives. They're single mom with multiple kids. So they've had to drastically change their schedule in order to be able to eat the food, to do the training, to 
get enough sleep to da 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 da. It's all of these back end lifestyle factors that get changed to allow the adherence to become much better. Therefore, they can then train appropriately and recover and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So all of the things that they see are byproducts of what they're doing every day. And that every day has a massive cumulative effect that if done for 12 to 18 months, like you would have to be doing something pretty bad to fuck that up. Like if you are making progress with your training and you're eating correctly, but all of those lifestyle factors are in check, you're not drinking, you're doing it consistently every week. Like uh, <laughs> if you, if you haven't changed that much in that time from doing all that, like something is definitely wrong. You know, you would, I, change. I, you would change. You would, you would actually change. That does that. They, they make, they make changes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, I think people are constantly looking for, the program should i be training more days per week should i be doing this and it's just like it really those things are kind of at the bottom of the pile like it just i mean we've had women who've made amazing changes who are training you know a full body program three days a week and have literally done that same program for 18 months do you know what i mean and it's just like oh but should i be doing more work now and whatever and i'm like well that they're not the right questions to be asking it's like, do you even need to do more work? Are you looking at the, at the metrics that would determine whether you would need to do more or not? Are your numbers going up as it is? Yes. Like, you know, if we're, if we're looking purely from a training perspective, is your numbers increasing from those, like what we would refer to as tier one lifts, your squats, your bench press, your deadlift, all those big movements? Yes, they are. Cool. Are you recovering? Yes. Okay, cool. Is your execution of the movement improving? Yes, it is. Is the standardization of reps, right? Not half squatting some reps and full squatting other is each rep looking the same and is it improved? Yes, it is. I'm like, okay, cool. Don't change anything. Keep going until you literally can't make any progress. Then we look at potentially making a change, but it's that kind of going, well, how long will I need to be on this program for? And I'm like, what? that's not even a question to be asking. It's working. Shut the fuck up and get on with it and keep going. Like it's, it's like when it stops working, you address it. But until then, just soak it up. <laughs> like, this is what it is. It's a journey. It's not meant to be, as you said before, Amy, like looking for the next sexy thing or, you know, should I be ending these booty band things at the end of my program? No, shut the fuck up. This is, it, it doesn't matter. Like, this is the irrelevant stuff. You're focusing and dwelling on the things that aren't relevant. Again, there's my, <laughs> my insertion. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's so many pieces that come up in that for me. Uh, but I think we need to reframe how we even think about training, you know, yeah. and it needs to be, it's a practice. And this is yes. what I teach my women. You yeah. know, it's not a program. It's not an exercise. It's not, you know, I come from a little bit of the movement culture background. My coach, you know, comes from that background and, and we added that in to support my Olympic lifting. And it really you want to think of it like as an umbrella, you know, just as like our nervous system is an umbrella and we have all these prongs. So we have training, our food, our, mm. our children, our job, our life, you know, and they create stress or they help us manage stress. It's the same with training. Training is an umbrella and we get stuck on like this one prong. Yeah. This one way to do things. And then even within that, we get stuck on, you know, the right and the wrong way. And like you said, Craig, on the, the reps and the, and the sets and for sure, you know, 
if we think about if we want to get stronger, there is a process and there is a method and the program matters for sure, but it's an umbrella. And I think we need to reframe like how we think about training to be Mm -hmm. like, it's a practice and, you know, you need to enjoy that practice. So to be able to get results and whatever that means to you, whether it's to change your body composition, whether it's to get stronger, achieve a certain skill, you need a foundation. You can't just turn up to a class or work out hard. And, you know, like we said at the start, it might work for you for a little while, but then it's not going to work. Yeah. You won't get results. You won't progress. Uh, Maybe you get injured. Maybe you screw your hormones. So what do we do? Well, we build a training foundation. What does that require? Okay. If we take the goal of, I want to change my body composition, you know, that's, that is a common goal with a lot of females, or I want to be able to do a pull up. That's another common goal or squat heavy. All right. So we have these three goals. Okay. Well, we need to build this foundation. So we need a process and we need a method. Yeah. You need a program, a good program. You need a coach that can, I'm, I'm a big believer in having a coach to support you, not just turning up to a gym and doing a workout, you know, one, two, three, four, five times a week and having no like progression there. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have a process, we have a method. Uh, and now that looks different for everyone, depending on what you want to do, but say we want to get a stronger squat and be able to do a pull up. Okay. Well, we program for that process, method, program. And then we need a system for feedback. So what you guys do, you know, they film, you give them feedback from a technical standpoint. Uh, You see what's going on in the body. And this is where the sexy thing comes in. Everyone wants to jump to the sexy thing. Yeah, they'll see us doing, we were speaking about this offline. You know, they'll see me doing a pull-up or a complex movement. And they're like, oh, that's cool. You know, I want to be able to do that. But What you don't see is that I've spent the last six years building my foundation. Uh, You know, when I first started, I couldn't even do a pull-up. Yeah, I had chronic back pain. But do you know what I had to do every day for 12 months? I had to go and I had to work on my spine. That was my only goal. So what was it? Realignment, stabilizing the pelvis, like learning how to move again, getting a strong midline. All of that is not sexy, (laughs) but no one wants to do that work. They don't want to learn how to move properly. And that's what I think we need to really work on is this foundation, this process, this method, doing the unsexy shit first. And then we get to be able to do the pull-ups and squats and... Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think too, like what has always helped me is going, okay, I might have this goal in the back of my mind. I want to squat this much. There was a time I went through where I just, we dialed all my squat weights back. Like we, we've worked with a number of different coaches over the years. Um, one of our friends, Thomas Lilly, he's a powerlifter. He's a really good guy. I really like him. So we just did some work with him for a while. And um, we just worked on my squat and I had to dial all my weight squat back and work on my hip stability, my breathing, bracing, up back tightness, everything. And at the start, I was like, oh, this is fucking annoying. And I was like, you know, the ego's taking a bit of a hit. You know, I'm not squatting these heavy, heavy weights anymore. And then I was doing all this, the shit that he gave me and I was thinking, oh, this is so annoying. And then I was like, oh, shut up, kitty. Like, do you want to have a better squat? Do you want to be better at squatting? And I was like, yes. Okay, cool. So 
shut up and just focus on the skill that you need to master right now that's right in front of you. So I stopped thinking about, oh, I want to squat 150 kilos or whatever, and I just started going, I'm going to be the best at the band sits. I'm going to be the best at the all the stability exercises he's given me, and I'm just going to practice every rep, think about every – and now – my squat so much, I don't have to really, th- I still think obviously when I get in under the bar and I think about breathing, bracing, you know, all, all of the stuff that I've learned, but it's second nature. But after about three to six months, all started to come together and I was like, oh, so- suddenly the weight started to go up because my t- execution was so much better. But again, shifting the focus off, I want to lift that weight to I want to get better at the skill and really obsessing about being good at it. And that just made it so much easier for me. Like I stopped being frustrated. And I think you're right, women, we all we all want this body, which is okay. Like I'm not here to tell you what you should and shouldn't want. If you want that tone athletic physique but you want to do it in a healthy way, it's going to take work. It's going to take work on eating more food, doing it consistently, becoming like any of the women in our program that have got good results in terms of good body composition change, they're good lifters. You know, they've, some of them, like, for example, one of our coaches, Mel, she's got this ongoing back thing that she's had for years. Hey, Craig, like she's worked with everyone. She's seen every specialist, Jimbo stock. She just can't squat and deadlift. She can do yeah, the, what was she doing? now just like throw her hands up in the air. And yeah. Like, but she's just gone, okay, <laughs> I've accepted that I can't do those movements. I'm going to focus on the movements I can do and I'm going to become exceptionally good at them. And so she posted this video the other day in the Win at Life thing, just banging out these chin-ups, like, and we're all like, whoa, like, look at you, though. And she just wrote on there. She's like, just because you can't do certain things doesn't mean you can't be strong. Focus on what you can do and become the master of that. And I was like, oh, good work, Mel. You know, and I think, yeah, like if women, it's like we set, talked about this closing the gap between the expectation and reality. And then also I think, like you and I have both been there too. I've been much leaner than I am now. I wasn't happier. I wasn't happier. You know, and I think sometimes women think that if they get this body all, all their life, everything's going to change and they're going to become happy. But I really feel like I've got the best, well, I mean, I feel like it's the best body. Like other people might not look at me and go, think that. But in terms of how I'm happy in myself now, I feel good in my skin. I'm happy with how I look and I feel, but I'm also happy on the inside. You know, like I've got a good relationship. I found fulfilling work and I really believe that that's part of part a big part of it maybe let's talk about that you know you were talking about women and you know they have these really stressful lives but they want to achieve this athlete's physique you know Craig sees it all the time too hey with the kids and the work and the stress yeah well we were talking before about you know comparing like we've had a uh you know I've, I've had a number of conversations over the years about you know certainly women that come from uh like who've done crossfit or you know doing the crossfit classes and they so, so why why isn't like the some of the CrossFit athletes that you see on TV? Why don't they train like this? You know, and they're all really lean and they're all really muscular. Like, oh, and I'm, it's just like you're comparing yourself to an elite athlete. Why why are you why are you doing that? These people live in a fucking box. This is their world. They don't have kids. Most of them don't have partners. They eat, sleep, and train, <laughs> just like a professional bodybuilder does. What's the what's the, the the underpinning thing? They're all just really strong, regardless of what they're doing. And it's just like, but at the end of the day, they all had to start somewhere, right? They all had to start doing these basic foundations. You can't lift those kind of weights, especially the CrossFit athletes. I mean, they, these people are the most, in my opinion, the most superior athletes on earth. Like they do shit that I'm just like, man, this is, this is no way I'm doing that. 
But it's, it's just like they are a reflection of their capability and what they do consistently. But it's just like, you know, if you're a single mum with three kids and work full time and I'm like, like you, you, your reality isn't set up to be able to do what they do. But at the end of the day, you are again comparing yourself to an elite athlete, a one percenter. They would look good regardless of what they do. And they could do pole dancing and still look at that. They could do they could do anything. I'd also say that those women probably metabolically aren't that great. Like I'd say they probably have no periods and, you know, oh, sleep. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, like, that's they, a whole they look good, but they're not necessarily like how we measure health. Those no. metabolic markers, I doubt, but would again, be great. Again, they're elite athletes. Like I think anyone would agree that uh, I remember Stan Efforting doing a, a great podcast on this as well, that if you want to be like healthy, like optimally healthy, don't compete. Yeah, don't be an athlete. Don't be an athlete. <laughs> like, but, but, but I mean, at that level, I'm not saying that, oh, well, you don't go and lift weights and sit on your ass all day. No, no, no. Like you find that happy medium where you can make progress but still recover within the means of your schedule and your life and all the external factors you have going on. Um, I, I think that's, that's, a, that's such an important thing for – males get it to a degree, but I think women – you know, from my experience, seem to struggle with that a lot more. And it's just accepting that this is my life and this is how it is. I need to do the best that I can do within that. And as long as you have a program, as Amy said before, and you have metrics to, you know, measure against whether you are recovering and whether you're making progress and all these things, then it's cool. And often it doesn't mean that you need to even, you even need to train six and seven days a week, like some of these athletes, like three days, for the vast majority of people is going to be really good. I think as you start to advance, I think from a, um, you know, you, you, you need to kind of start doing a little bit more volume, a little bit more work, and that's hard to fit into a three-day program. But that's for most people 18, two years plus down the track where they reach that intermediate advance, intermediate level, um, you know. And I think by that stage, if you're pretty good with your nutrition, you're going to be looking much better anyway, so. Yeah, it takes a really long time to build this foundation. I think this comes into the expectation piece, you know, this how long is it going to take? Uh, and that we don't have an answer really because everyone is very different, our physiology and like you said, the reality. And But it takes a long time. It probably takes a good 12, 18 months to yeah. support our metabolism, to learn how to build our food foundation, to maybe work on some stuff in our body, uh, you know, that we need to work on to then start to really get into this practice, this strength training practice. And yeah, I've just seen it can take about 18 months. And that can be really scary for some women to think, oh, it's going to take that long. But, you know, if you show up and you do the hard work initially, we were just speaking about this before, you will have this base, this think of a pyramid. Yeah. The bottom of the pyramid will always be there. And isn't that the coolest thing that no matter what happens in life, you know, you know how to like, you can put in strategies, you still know how to train and your, your base strength will be there because you've done the work. Now, if you just want to skip to like the sexy thing and don't lay down the foundation and unfortunately that's the hard part. You know, we have to choose. We have to choose to slow down. We have to choose to give ourselves permission to start to learn about our bodies. 
Uh, We have to choose to do it the longer way home. You know, we have to choose to embrace all these tools that you're teaching all these women that we teach these women. Yeah. About like programming and looking for, you know, their metabolic markers, you know, tracking, I guess you could say that's where the tracking fits in, you know, because the tracking is teaching you, Uh, you know, it's teaching you about your body. It's telling you if the training's working for you, you know, is the way that you're eating working for you. It's helping you build that foundation. Now, if you want to skip that part, to me, you're always going to be stuck in the loop because you haven't, you haven't done that work. You haven't taken responsibility to learn about your body, how to fuel it, how to recover well, how to train for you. And like Craig said, you know, a lot of our realities are so stressful. And I have this conversation so many times. I actually had it probably half a dozen times last week about, okay, you have this expectation to lose weight, but your reality is really stressful, you know? And we often don't think our reality is stressful because it's so normal or common within our culture. But, you know, a lot of these women tell me their realities and I'm like, yeah, that's really stressful. And, you know, that's not coming from a place of shaming or, or anything like a judgment. It's just that it is stressful from the nervous system because the nervous system doesn't know, you know? And, and so I think that's a really important piece is like, your reality is stressful. You know, if you have a full-time job, if you're inside all the time in a synthetic environment, if you have two, three children that you're trying to navigate, you're trying to navigate a relationship, uh, you're trying to train, you're probably not eating enough. Maybe you don't sleep that well. Like that all is really stressful. Now it's not about like getting rid of your children and quitting your job. Although, you know, I'd love some of my women to quit their jobs, (laughs) but, um, It's about what strategies can I put in place to support that? Or is my expectation right now, is that that okay? Does it match my reality? And a lot of the times it doesn't. You know, I often say to females, like, I can get you there. You know, I could, I could get you there real quick. Yeah. Like we could train super hard. We can fix, like do your food foundation, heal your metabolism, but it, is it at the detriment to you spending time with your children is, you know, would you have to quit your job? Like often they'll compare to me, but I'm like, my reality is so different. And this is the same thing, Craig, they're comparing to athletes. Their reality is so different. You know, their reality is that they sleep through the, you know, most of them sleep through the night. They have a really good recovery protocol. They've spent years building their training foundation. They know how to eat well. Yeah. Their whole life is is constructed around that. And that's the same for me. You know, my, I've been an athlete my whole life. I'm a coach. Like that's what I do. I train and I recover really well. You know, I know how to eat. I sleep really well. I love what I do, you know, and my reality matches my expectation so I can train, you know, And I think, again, uh, I love where you start with women, like bringing this expectation down around how much we actually have to train, you know, because training five, six, seven days a week is, is too much for our reality. Now, you know, I could do that if I wanted to, but I have a practice. Do you know what I mean? I'm not thrashing myself in the gym you know, for hours at a time doing high intensity training. My practice involves like, mobility and you know moving in a different way and hand balancing and some strength training and there's like so many components to it and I think that's where 
you know, that's also really important is if we, we need to zoom out, it's a practice, you know, maybe the practice today requires us to go for a walk because my reality is not supporting. Yep. 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think the more and more you, you go down this path and you understand and you, you start to create that awareness around self is that, you know, some days you're just like, you know, it's better for me not to train today. I'm going to take an extra rest day and I'm just going to focus on eating some food and maybe I'll try and get to bed a little bit earlier tonight and I'll just go for a walk and, you know, and that way I'll be in a much better state to then go and train tomorrow and be able to hit the numbers that I need to hit in order to make that progression that I need to hit long-term in order to see those changes. But I think it's, again, yeah, like, I mean, it's certainly something that we encourage, it sounds like to do as well as like, you've you've got to take that uh inward approach you know like oh my you know my kids woke me up multiple times last night and i've got to go and deadlift tomorrow take it take another day before you do that it's probably not ideal or you could go into the gym if you wanted to still go into the gym do your deadlifts but pull all your weights back and just literally work on technique and tightness and all these little things you know like it's, it doesn't mean that the workout was a waste. You still had a positive outcome from that. You're still working on things that in the long term, you still need to continue to refine and improve anyway. Um, and you just make a note of that, you know, like you can write that in your training log, you know, like whatever it is. And you should end and everyone that is shout out. Everyone should have a training log. Um <laughs> But, but, you know, that, that's why you can look back on that sort of stuff. It's just like, oh, my numbers didn't change too much. It's like, yeah, well, I was dialing everything back then because, you know, little Johnny was waking me up three times every night. You know, it's like, cool. Okay, you, you made the appropriate decision there. <laughs> I think a lot of women, re- yeah. we do these like round tables every fortnight with Carol. She's a psychotherapist because a lot of our oh, cool. is around helping mm. women just like they self-sabotage and, you know, they've got this mindset where I have to always train. I think I just forget about this because I'm, I'm just like you, right? So many days I'll just be like, oh, I'm just feel fucked today. I'm just not going to train. I just said to Craig, I'm not training today. I just don't even care now. Like I just, because I just know, I'm like, well, I feel tired. I didn't have a good sleep last night. I'm not going to perform well. I'm just going to go for a walk. But I think women are still so conditioned to go, I've got to train, you know, and we were doing this um, round table and one of the new ladies is like, oh, there's just this period now in my work. It's not all the time. It's just seasonal where I just have to go to work really early. I get home late. It's really stressful. And she's like, so I just haven't trained this week because I just haven't had the time and I've not been sleeping as well. But what I've done instead is had some Epsom salt baths. I've really been focused on my nutrition, feeling my body. I was like, fuck yeah, good job. I was like, that's amazing. Well done. I'm like, you're nailing it. That's exactly what you should be doing. Don't feel guilty. Feel like you should be really seriously patting yourself on the back, you know, because this time's going to pass and you're already stressed and you're not sleeping. So going and, you know, hitting the gym and, you know, banging out some heavy weights isn't going to help you. So, you know, I think women, it is, it's hard to get them to shift that mentality of I have to always train you know, like what's that stupid fitness slogan? Like you'll never regret a workout or some shit like that. I can't remember what it is, but yeah. <laughs> it said no one ever. Real story, bro. You should tell it said no one ever. And I'm like, oh, there's so many times in the past, you know, where I just drag myself into the gym, fasted, drinking coffee, you know, just yeah. logging myself for two hours. So, so silly. Um, yeah. And this is like, but this is the, this is the reframe. It's like, well, 
But if you have a training practice, it doesn't mean like Craig said, you, you can still go into the gym, but what else can you do? How else could you move your body? Is there a softer approach? Is there mobility or flexibility work that you can do? You know, can you, what, what else could you do? Can you like, yeah, just go for a walk or, and this is this, we're stuck in this. This is the only way to train the right way to train. And of course, yeah, we need a strength training practice. I believe it's really important, Uh, but there's also other ways to move. And if we can break out of that, it helps us break out of this, you know, this, this right way, wrong way, all or nothing thing. It's like, okay, can I just like move? Could I put on a song or could I dance for a little bit? Could I just connect to my body in a different way if I can't go in and like lift heavy today uh, and then put in all my other strategies? Uh, and I think like the training, the nutrition, the cycle, they're all a dance when it comes to like getting results, yeah? And I think... Mm. And they all work together. And I think focusing on one is hard enough. And I'm sure you find this in in your work. It's like focusing on the training and then, you know, is just hard enough. And then you add the nutrition and, (laughs) you know, it can be kind of overwhelming. But I think to bring it back to what Craig said about the training log, you know, the trick is that we just start by watching them just by tracking, just by noticing, you know, and if that's, if you're feeling lost, uh, that's all I would get you to do is make sure you have a notebook, make sure you have your training log and just start noticing. Notice how like, notice the energy, notice the sleep, notice the training, notice the nutrition, notice the cycle. And this is where we all need to take responsibility. Yeah. Cause we can, we can give you the program. We can give you the food foundation, but like your, your responsibility is to notice that notice the things and start tracking about how they all link together. And I don't believe that, you know, until we do that, there's just, yeah, I think that it's so hard for us to get where we want to go because, you know, we don't understand the body. And if we don't understand the body, we then don't know how to tailor and adjust. And if we don't know how to tailor and adjust our nutritional training, we get stuck. And then, yeah, Mm. I don't know if that's making sense, but. Yeah, it makes makes complete sense. I think that all that tracking stuff teaches, because this is going to sound like it's so oversimplified and I don't want it to sound like this simple, but to me, but of course, like you, I've been doing it for a long time. I just listen to my body now. I know that sounds so simple, but like I get up and if it's training day and I feel good and I'm rested and I'm fueled, I'm like, yeah, good one. I feel good. I'm going to, and I'll push it hard. If I don't, I don't. And that's it. That's all that there is to it. Like nothing more really. Hey, I'll come in and go, dad's too sleep last night. I'm just not going to train today. I'll just go for a walk. I'll just take Winston down to the beach. I, I really believe too, like you said, I think women should get out in the sun and do some sort of movement every day, whatever it is that you like. Like play with your kids in the park, I don't know, go for a bike ride. You might do some swimming or whatever your activity, just an activity. And then like you say, if your goal is to get stronger and build muscle, you need to do some strength training. But I think it's just you'll make progress when you're feeling good. And it's okay to like some of my programs will take me six, seven weeks to finish because I just will have days or extra days off because I just won't be feeling it, you know. And I think like just... I know that sounds so simple. <laughs> no, it, no, no, it doesn't. 
Yeah, it's it's simple. It's hard because, to start because yeah. you don't know. You don't, you don't know. know. Like you've you've gone yeah. through and you've tracked your food for a long time. You understand what foods work best for you, and you understand yeah. meal structure and spacing and protein carbs and all this. Like you you've done all that because you've done the basics for the so discipline, long. The discipline, like we talked about, and tracking and having that discipline. Yeah, absolutely. That you can get to the stage where you just can intuitively or instinctively do however you want to do it and you can maintain what you have because it's just it's it's like you know you're like amy you're doing all these like the the, the pull-ups and stuff now and you know they're quite complex with a single arm and stuff but if you if you didn't train for 12 months right you would still be able to do a pull-up because it would it would actually be much harder for you to lose it at this day <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know, it was, I think I, I, I can't remember. I think I was doing it on Leela's podcast. Somebody I was talking about, um, uh, Ed Cohen, who's arguably the greatest powerlifter of all time, squatted 400 kilo. I don't know. Something ridiculous. But I mean, the, he's an old man now. He's like, you know, late fifties, maybe early sixties. He's had two hip replacements. I think he's had a knee replacement and he come out and did a seminar and he, he squatted 220 for, a double, just like everyone's training at the end of the seminar. He's like, oh, I'll get in and have a crack. And like people like like 220, like in anyone's language, is a still a big squat. And he hasn't done this for years. But for the greater part of his life, when he was competing and he lived in the box, he did all that stuff, he was the greatest powerlifter on earth for a very long time. So it's actually even that he's broken and had hip replacements and he's part machine now and all this sort of stuff, it's actually hard for him to lose the ability to be able to squat that much. And it's just, that that's just a byproduct of all the stuff that he's just done for so long. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he'd even squatted properly, had a bar on his back for 10 years. Yeah. He built his foundation though. And we're in, we're in such a hurry. And this is, I think if you're, if you're listening and, and you're feeling we've jumped all over the place a little, but to bring it kind of back is that we're all in such a hurry. We're in such a hurry to like get there, wherever there is, <laughs> um, that we don't want to spend the time to build the foundation. You know, and what Kitty and Craig are, are teaching you to do and what I teach my women to do is build this foundation. You know, slow down, give yourself permission to take time to learn how to build that foundation, you know, to build a proper process and method, to learn about your behaviors in and around your training, to, you know, learn your food foundation, to track. Yeah, the tracking is super key. Mm. And then once you have your foundation, we can start to get into like complexity or, you know, heavy lifting or whatever you want to do. Yeah. And that's the cool thing is like, if you have the base of the pyramid, you know, you have the cement for the house. Yeah. Like everyone just wants to get inside and decorate the house, you know, with all these pretty things, but no one wants to put the time in like surveying the land and, and putting down the concrete and building the foundation. Everyone wants just to do the decorating, but Like I'll, like you said, Craig, I'll never lose my pulling strength. Like I'll just never lose my foundational strength, but that took me years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is the key thing. It's like, this is not a short way home. This is a long way. And we're talking like years, you know, I, one of the women that I've been working with for four years, you know, she came to me, CrossFit background, niggling elbow and shoulder injury, tired all the time wasn't getting results that she wanted. And we've been working together for years now, but it's taken years to 
build her food foundation back up to build her found like foundation. Do you- Oh. I think she's frozen. Frozen. Maybe her internet's had a freak out. I'm sure she'll drop. She'll probably. Oh, there we go. You're oh, back. There we go. Okay. You just froze. <laughs> so you're up to. Frozen in a good position too. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking about taking you years to help her build up that foundation, that food foundation. Yeah. And it's like, she just wrote me an email the other day saying, you know, life has been so, we're still working together, but life has been so stressful. But you know, what I've learned over the last two years is just to like slow down and to listen through the tracking. And she's just gone to her food. She's adjusted her training. Like I've like, she self leads now, which is so cool. But I, the the point is it's taken, you know, we've been working together for two years. Like Mm. it's taken two years for her to build that foundation. And that's not chasing super complex, like, you know, gymnastic strength training stuff or really heavy, heavy lifting or, you know, a a big body composition change. That's just trying to chase energy, good sleep, consistency in the gym. You know, she can train consistently four days a week. Now she sleeps great. She has energy for her work, all her stuff is good, but it took her two years. And so, yeah, I think my point is it takes a long time. <laughs> and actually, let, let's talk about that is that <laughs> let's, let's talk about actually taking ownership because I think you're right. The diet industry has a lot to answer for, but at some point women have to start to take ownership, right? Like, you know, like use your fucking brain. I did dumb shit for 17 years. And when I finally came across Emma and Craig, they were teaching me this stuff. And I thought, okay, this actually makes sense. Yeah, it's going to take me some time. But, you know, at some point you have to take ownership. Like I get a lot of women message me and I feel like this might be a bit of a misconception that they're not necessarily in our program. Like they'll just message me on Instagram. You probably get all the time. Oh, Kitty, you know, I've been following all the pro-metabolic people and I've been you know eating all the food and training but I've like put on 15 pounds like when's the fat just going to fall off like you know they think that (laughs) like you know some and this is why I think it really you've got to look at the individual like there is no um one size fits all some women you know they need to lose body fat to get healthy some women need might need to actually gain body fat to get healthy some women might gain body fat but then get stronger and get consistent with their nutrition and actually lose body fat so it's like this you know it's so hard to give advice to people when they message you going oh i've done this but the one consistent thing i see is that this the time frame is so short oh i've just been doing this for 6 months why why isn't why don't i look like this yet or why, why haven't i fixed this and i and you know really asking themselves, are they being consistent? You know, like, are you really taking ownership? And uh, and I've been there before and gotten into those, like, long time ago. I can't do this. Like, I remember when, and this is not nutrition related, but in our business, when we very first started working with, like, our real, like, one of our, he's a friend now, Lynn, he's a business coach. We worked with him for three years. And he really helped us grow our online business. And I remember when I very first started with him, like I'd never fucking written Facebook ads or used Facebook manager or any of the built, built out click funnels. And I just had this story I was telling myself that I didn't, I couldn't do Facebook ads. I just would go in there and look at the back end of it and think it's too hard. I can't do it. I'm too busy. 
and we constantly outsourced it. And I just had this story that, it, and it just constantly failed because I wasn't actually learning how to do it. And I remember sitting there on the deck in our house at Upper Mount Gravatt one morning and just so tired because we were like working ridiculous hours, trying to learn all this new stuff. And I was trying to build out a many chat funnel and I was just like rushing forward through the modules, you know, like not actually watching the videos properly and taking it step by step. And I was, I just cried. I was sitting on the fucking balcony, you know, sobbing, sobbing for a while. And then I thought, oh, for God's sake, Kitty, like, what the fuck up? Like, you have just rushed through everything. You haven't actually taken your time. I actually even thought, oh, maybe this program isn't for me. Maybe Lynn isn't the right coach, you know? How many times have you thought that when you're not really doing the work? And so from that moment, I was like, all right, you're going to stop putting these expectations on yourself. You've never never done this before. It doesn't matter how long it takes you. Just work through the website step-by-step, build the fucking mini chat funnel. It might take you five days. Who cares? You've just got to do it. Get on the round tables. So I got on, hey, Craig, every round table that he did. He had to like yeah. tell me someone else needs to have a go, Kitty. And from that point out. Business- it, it was just like, he's like, oh, so no one's getting on the round table. He's like, I'll jump on. He's like, you've been on for like every, every day week. in the last three months. I don't care if no one else is getting on, I'll get on. And I just started <laughs> to tell myself a different story. I was like, okay, you are not good at the marketing yet. You are going to be. And over a space of 12 months, and I'm certainly no expert, but you know, we scaled our business from zero to 100K months in 11 months because I changed my attitude and I started to say, I can do it. I'm not putting a time frame on this. And I took ownership. And I think that like, ask yourself, are you being a victim? Are you sitting there going, poor me, I can't do this, you know, like, and I'm not saying that life isn't hard. Like we've all got challenges. Everyone's got challenges. Like our best transformation is a lady with four kids, single mum, went through a divorce, moved house, but she just did it, you know. And I'm not saying that you need to do that, but at some point you have to take ownership and go, like, am I going to sit here and tell myself I can't? Or am I going to say that I can and I'm going to be okay with failing and and, move, and like, what do you think about that? Like, do you see that with women? Yeah, our story. It's the story that we tell ourselves and that story can be really powerful based on, yeah, worldview, belief system, culture, what, whatever, wherever it's come from. But if the story is not serving you, you need to choose a different story. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. It's really hard to do. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff in, you know, trauma and 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 whatever it is. But in the end, I believe that, you know, once we choose this new path or this different way or, you know, we, you know, the women start working with you and come come into the program, you know, they've made that choice, but then they have to keep choosing. You have to keep choosing that, yeah, as you learn about metabolic health, as you learn about food, as you learn about your habits, your behaviors, your practices, as you learn about training. You have to keep choosing every step of the way that you're going to keep going down this, this long way. And it's a choice. Yeah, we have to take responsibility. Uh, and we have, yeah, we have the story. You know, we have stories all of the time. But in the end, if it's not serving you, you have to choose a different story because, and just, I, I love Amy Cuddy has a TED talk on body language shapes who you are. And in it, she says, uh, fake it till you make it. No, actually fake it till you become it, like until you believe it. Mm. And like you did, Kitty, you have to change the story. 
And you also have to know that it's going to take time. You need patience. You know, you need a good team around you. And then you just have to keep choosing, keep choosing every day, keep choosing. But that's why the why is so important. It comes back to this why, like, why do you train? Yeah. If you're just training to lose weight, it's not a strong enough why. And it's also what I tell the women that I work with is like, how necessary is it for you to do this? And I believe my business coach said to me, if it's not a nine or a 10 out of a 10, it's not necessary enough. Therefore, life, our reality, obstacles, our story, it's mostly our story is going to get in the road. It has to be so necessary for us to create this change. uh, And we have to hold on to a why that really comes from this place of like love and abundance to be able to keep choosing <laughs> and to, to keep taking the long way home. And it's not easy, but you know, when you're like a year, a year, two years, three years in, we've all built our foundation. You know, I don't track anything. Yeah. I've never, like I did the cycle tracking. I, I learn about my cycle. You know, I've, I've paid really close attention to my food before I've, you know, done like my Olympic lifting and my programming was so intense. I used to train three or four hours a day, six days a week. Like I've done the work and now I know my body so well that I don't need to track anything. Yeah. And you just learn. And that gives you so much like trust and confidence in yourself around like, yeah, I just know. I know how I feel. I know how my training's going to go. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. I think that's, discipline will set you free and I think a lot of women want what you have but they don't realize it's like we can't you don't just automatically get that it's like you've got to you know a lot of women come into our program like they don't they really resist the tracking and I'm like but you don't have to do it forever like just think of it as like a tool that's going to teach you and help you learn and get to wherever you want to be and then eventually it's like you'll be sweet you know you won't have to track religiously all the time anymore um, yeah. but you, if you can't see, if you can't track there, there yeah. already is that, you know, if you want to change your body composition or you want to get stronger or ha- like, you know, get this skill like that already in itself is we need to, you need to do the work there where, what, what's the story you're telling yourself? Where's the friction? Where's the resistance? Why don't you want to track what's underneath that? Because if you can't track well, then it's just going to be hard. Yeah. Mm. You, you know, it's going to be hard to show up and do the training uh, if we can't start, you know, at, at this first place and embrace and choose the tracking of the food and the training to show up and do the hard work is it's. <laughs> but you you yeah. just never get that. Like it's impossible. Like you cannot get there without, you cannot be where you are without being disciplined first. It's impossible. So I yeah. think you've either got to go like accept it and just go in or you be happy how you are. Just be happy how you are. I say that to women all the time. Like, like no one's telling you that you need to lose body fat or, you know, sleep better or, you know, have better periods. But you're the one telling me that you're sick of feeling like shit, but you don't want to do the things that are required to change. So I'm like, just be happy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot in that. We could probably do a whole nother podcast. You know, we carry so much trauma within us. Yeah. And trauma takes many different forms, but you know, we have, we all have our trauma. We all have our stories and that makes us hard to do something. Yeah. And we live in a culture that, yeah, like 
just you know it it has this this aesthetic this 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 body type that we all want to strive for and and that makes it really hard creates a lot of friction but I think that you know, you need to, you need to definitely address that. And that's really important work. You know, the relationship to food, relationship to your body, the disordered eating, that, the, that stuff, you need to do the work there. But then it's also, you know, if you love your reality and you love your life and you don't want to train hard three, four, you know, five days a week, like that's okay. Do you know, like, but you just have to be okay with, you know, the way that you are because, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort to get really strong and to change your body composition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And just I think- right back to what we, oh, sorry, you go, okay. Oh, I was just going to ask you, Amy, like, I, I mean, you, you mentioned your, your sister had a, you know, bit of a rough time growing up with food and that sort of thing. Um, and that there is quite a big movement out there from, some coaches and different things where they believe that tracking your food is a stress. Um, you know, and I, and look, it, it's obviously very context driven, you know, you've got to, you know, have a really good understanding of the person and what they're going through and, and actually determine, you know, if that's a legit issue or not. But I, for me personally, I, I just, I'm like, well, how, how do you help a person if they're, if they're not prepared to do that, like if they're like, I don't want to learn how to use my fitness pal or chronomina or whatever it is, because I don't like to, to track my food. I, I don't want to do that. And uh, because it, it causes me stress and I feel like I spend all this time and they, you know, they put up all of these barriers. I mean, I, I'm pretty straightforward because I, I, I come from a very, you know, logical. I'm like, well, if you're not tracking, how do we measure the improvements? <laughs> you can't. But there are coaches out there and, and different people who sort of say, look, you, you shouldn't need to do that. Like, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, that's a really, it's a really great question. Uh, and okay, so where I'll start is like, I do come from an eating disorder place, like practice. Mm-hmm. That's where I started my work. And if, Look, to be honest, it's we're on a continuum. You're, it's, there's a thing called the eating disorder continuum. So you have healthy, confident eater up one end, you know, really good relationship with food and body, mm-hmm. clinically diagnosed eating disorder down the other end. So anorexia mm-hmm. nervosa, bulimia, and otherwise not specified. And then in the middle, we have disordered eating. And most of us are right in the middle there <laughs> uh, just because of diet culture. Most of us mm-hmm. have disordered eating practices and, yeah. you know, someone who has had a clinically diagnosed eating disorder or is really right on that end of that right scale. Uh, Now tracking, when I talk about tracking, I don't talk about like the calories. So most of my work is, you know, I, I get a lot of women with disordered eating and really a negative relationship with food and their body. Uh, I mean, tracking by just writing it in a notebook, writing down what you've eaten and how you feel. You know, so we're talking like a loose kind of tracking. Yep. We're just starting to notice our sleep, how we feel, you know, our food. And then we're starting to learn, you know, that that metabolic nutrition, how to support our metabolism. And then we're still looking for signs. So you teach it in the program, you know, those key signs. We're looking for some markers. I still don't really enter into the numbers until I've been working with them for a while or until we've really worked on healing their relationship with food, especially mm-hmm. if they come from 
you know, a really strong disordered eating background, uh, we, we really stay away from looking at the numbers. So the tracking for me is just starting to write it in a notebook, paying attention, the pausing, what do I notice with my energy, my bowels, you know, my bloating, my sleep, my training. Uh, and then I do have a couple of women that I, I work with that we do go into like a little bit more into to the number side of it, both for training and nutrition. But a lot of the time it's just me looking at the food, uh, you know, to make sure that they're at least eating what I think, you know, most of us need to eat 2,000 calories <laughs> um, as women. Coming, what the hell? <laughs> what yeah. 2,000 calories. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, I actually the other day after multiple so many conversations with all my women, you know, they'll send me their their food diaries and I'll have a look and we're not doing anything with numbers. But, you know, I said, you're like, you're not eating enough. Yes, I am. I'm eating enough. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, I don't even need to add it up for me. Like, I just don't need to. I can just see. I already know 95 percent of the population. You know, we don't most females just don't eat enough. <laughs> and uh and then I'm like, okay, well, let's add it up. So I would never normally do this, but I added it up for her and it was like 900, 1100, 1200. Yeah. And I said, okay. So I went away and I created a, the, I don't know what 2000 calories meal plan is. <laughs> And I just like set it out just as an example. I'm like, okay, so this is how much food like you actually need to eat. But mine's a little bit more of a slower process. You know, we're just working over time to really work on that relationship with food. So I don't really go to the numbers. Um, I'm more so just monitoring them to make sure that they're like eating enough and we're trying to balance. Uh, Because yeah, like you said, Craig, it can be super triggering, but there comes a point that you need to know. Do you know what I mean? Like you need to know if you are actually eating enough calories. You need to know if, yeah, like, and so that requires us to do some kind of tracking. But it depends on, I think it depends on our relationship to food and where we are in that journey. Because like I can, you know, I could hop on a scale and like that that doesn't, you know, I've never had an issue with my weight, but like doesn't affect me. Yeah, I could probably like, count my calories and, and just see like where I'm at and like, I'm okay with that, but I've done so much work. Like you said, it can be really triggering for a lot of females. Uh, but I guess it's also, could we reframe it? Yeah. Because we're coming from a diet culture perspective around restriction and scarcity and like changing the weight. Why don't we reframe it to be like, Hey, like I need to know, like, am I eating 2000 calories? Because I need that energy to like support me and my sleep. And I need to know if I'm eating enough to train and like, let's like swing it, you know, 180 and think, okay, we can come from a positive place. And I don't like how we can't not talk about it. Like, you know, to not, not talk about weight and to not, not talk about numbers. Like that's not okay as well, because we need to be able to get to this place where we could talk about it. You know, we can say our age. Yeah. We could see, we could see our weight and we're not triggered by that because we've done so much work for, on ourselves and our relationship to food and our body and training that knowing some numbers sometimes is not triggering. But unfortunately for a lot of us, it is at the start. Mm-hmm. I think you made a good point there and it's the person, it's person dependent. Like I think a woman who's really, because we get a lot of women who our type of woman is they undereat and then they binge. Yeah. Like a lady on the who got on the round table, 
she's like 90 kilos and she's overweight. She wants to lose weight. And she was actually saying to me, oh, Kitty, I did the challenge. I was really good for four weeks. And now I've signed up for 12 months. And the enormity really, this is going to take me 12 months. I've started to like, you know, like you know, question what I'm doing. I was like, well, what's happened? And she said, well, I, I had my plan for the week. And, you know, because we try and encourage these women who are binges, like eat more consistently every day so that you're not under eating and then going and having these epic binges where you just eat pizza and chips and then you go, okay, I'm going to starve myself again on Monday. And she said, I went to a barbecue and instead of eating my shepherd's pie that I had planned out, I had sausage and a, I was like, well, what'd you eat? And she said, I had sausage and a, and a lamb chop and some, this potato salad, I think she said, and I had one glass of champagne. I said, what did you do then? And she said, well, then I, this the next day I started my plan again. I was like, fuck yeah. I said, that's amazing. I said, what would you have done before? And she said, I would have spent the whole weekend drinking and binge eating. I said, you've nailed it. I said, you've broken that conditioning in one week of, and practicing moderation. I said, that's incredible. You know, you should be patting yourself on the back. Um, you know, and I think for a lot of like our women that, that we work with is that they, it's that under eating and starving themselves and then binge eating. Cause you, you look, you don't get to hundred kilos eating 1200 calories. You don't. You don't like, it's impossible. I know these people say that they're eating. I'm like, when you actually dig deeper and talk to them, they're like, yeah, they're ashamed. I'm like, don't be ashamed. It's okay. I've been there. I used to have these epic binges where I'd eat until I'd throw up. I'd take laxatives, you know, and then I just Monday back to strictness. So it's like, you know, it's, I think like you say, it's got to be the person and it's really dependent. And Craig and Craig and I were having this conversation. I'm like, oh, you know, after I did that roundtable, I said, I really feel like these women, you know, because we've got lots of different types that join our program. We have women like that have got eating disorders, like not eating disorders, but have come from like they, they're small, like 50, 60 kilos, and they've really restricted to maintain their weight. And then the women who are really bigger, who the the binge eaters. And I said, you know, I really feel like that the women like Melissa, for example, like, her standard of success should just be practiced for the first maybe month or I don't know, have a long, just practicing moderation. So plan out if you, what you're going to eat for the week, prep and everything. But then like if you go to a barbecue and you want to eat something different, just eat it, but just practice moderation. Eat whatever you want, eat till you feel satisfied, and then the next day eat your breakfast again. Because I'm like that. that's what they need to do to break that habit because they're not overall under eating. They're overall consuming a shit ton of food and shit calories pufas which is their downfall so again i think this is why with this whole metabolic eating that it's not this one process or one size fits all it's looking at the individual and what they need and like you're saying someone who comes from a disordered eating background probably getting them to track 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 strictly is not the right approach but they do need to see that they're only eating 900 calories you know so yeah yeah and there's been enough um, enough studies done on that with people like between intuitive eating and actually tracking where, and they've done it even with, with athletes, like people who should know better that they, they go, oh, just kind of instinctively eat. And, and, you know, you tell us how much you think they're eating and they can be up by 30 or 40%. And these are people who know this stuff. So if you don't know it, you know, that I feel some of these people are like, oh, I'm eating so little, or I'm eating so much. And, and usually it's probably quite the opposite. Um, so I think you need to have, you know, and look, I, I certainly can't speak from a female perspective with a disordered eating. I've never had any of those issues. So I do my best to understand, but I think it's, it's always coming from like a coach's perspective that I really want to go above and beyond and help every client. 
but I can only do that if I have something to work with. If you're not tracking anything and you don't know how much you're reading, I'm like, I can, I can guess what we might be able to do, but I'm pretty sure you don't pay me money to guess. Do you know what I mean? Like at some, at some point I kind of go, like I need some data to work with to kind of start pointing us in the right direction. And I think, I think as a coach, I do struggle with that sometimes because I'm like, I'm like, this is where we need to get to. And, and I've had some of those women where they're just like, that's just causing me too much stress. And I'm like, well, let's just try and do this. You know, like here are the food, here's the food list and give them like broad guidelines. And I'm like, you just do your thing. And then it's, I think the part that I struggle with the most is and then when they go away and do it, and it might be two or three or four weeks, or whatever, they come back and they're like, well, I've been doing that and nothing's changed. And then I can't, I can't go, well, hold on a minute. What have you actually been doing? Can you show me what you've been eating? Can no, because I haven't been tracking anything. And I'm like, well, now I have nothing to kind of show you where you're going wrong. And I have no real rebuttal to what you're saying because I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And then there's this kind of weird kind of circle. And they're like, well, why am I paying you money? I'm like, I don't know why you're paying me money. Like, yeah, I, I think because it's like an onion, Craig. Yeah. And it's, there's, and this is, it kind of circles all the way back around to the start that, you know, there's so many layers to this. And if we don't have like a good relationship with food in our body and we come from a disordered eating background that we've got a lot of work to do like first before, you know, and, and if the tracking is triggering, well, then we, we need to do work around that. We really mm -hmm. need to explore. And, and mm -hmm. as a coach, that's maybe not what we do, but like we, you know, you know, you need to get support in that. And I have like people that I would refer out to 100%. that. Yeah. Let's like, and the same, you know, you bring in people as well to support yeah. them because there's so much stuff that, you know, that that comes with this whole training, nutrition. Yeah, that's like yeah. this stuff challenges us at our deepest level mm. and our relationship to food and our body and training is so complex that, you know, maybe that's not where we start. Yeah, we start by just looking at our relationship to food and the body. Maybe we just start by writing notes, you know, and then eventually we maybe be able to get to this place where, you know, we can like track the numbers in our training. We maybe we could track like how much we're eating calories a day or it just it depends on the, the individual mm. and where they are with their relationship to, to food and their body. You know, something that really helped me because I had always tracked, but it was always restriction. When I started yeah. with Emma, I was like, oh, this is about optimization. It's not about yes. restriction. And it's, I, found, yeah. I find it really interesting. And I still like loosely track. I don't strict track. Like I'll plan on Sunday, plan out my, like I'll make a lunch meal and I'll, you know, obviously go out shopping and buy all the shit that we need. Um, and I always make sure I, I eat 2,500 calories plus because if I don't, I just don't sleep. And even crack, like I'll say this to Craig all the time, like I didn't track my food yesterday. I'm like, oh, I slept like shit. And it's like I just have this tendency to under eat if I don't purposefully go, okay, I've sort of mapped out what I'm eating for the week and I go having this breakfast. But it's not so strict. Like Friday night we had sushi, you know, like it's not like I go, oh, I've got to actually stick like 100% strictly stick to this. It just helps me stay well fueled because I think you know our life is stressful like we train we've got three businesses like <laughs> last year was stressful you know you can't expect to perform at a high level if you're under fueled and I think it just makes it easier for me but I don't look at it as a restriction I just look at it as well I want to sleep well I want to have good energy I hate 
waking up after having a shit sleep. Like the next day is just, you feel so rubbish. Yeah. You just, you're seeing patterns and patterns don't lie. Yeah. You just, you get to see patterns over time and then you get to feel more confident in making decisions around your training and your food because you've seen those patterns. And then from then you actually get more breakthroughs in your training because you've learned to slow down. You've learned to listen, you've learned to adapt and that's, I guess, why why we track. And again, it's that reframe of, okay, yeah, of course, the, the calories and the MyFitnessPal comes from the diet industry, but why can't we shake that? Why can't we shake it and say, no, like I need to know my patterns. I need to know if I'm eating enough because then I can feel confident in making decisions about my training, about my food, about me. It builds trust with my body. I then can show up to my training and I can train hard. I can recover well and I can get results. And that's a good point, actually. I think tracking the food actually really made me go, oh, fuck, I really need to eat a lot of food. Like yes. stopped me being scared of eating more food because I was like, oh, I eat this food. I do well in the gym. I don't gain 50 kilos. You know, like it just all linked it to ke- together. And like you say, it allowed me to trust my body and what it was saying. So some days I'll be starving after a legs day. So I'll make this big ass chicken burger and a big meal and eat extra calories. And I'm still the same, you know, but it, it, that allowed me to go, oh, okay. Maybe your body's telling you something. This hunger thing, it's okay to eat until you feel satisfied. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't know that until you tracked. And this is yeah. this is the conversation. This is why the tracking fits in mm. with the training, with the nutrition, because you don't know that. And that's what Craig was saying. This friction as a coach, sometimes it can be hard if you don't know exactly what, what your student or your athlete or your client is doing because you don't have the information. And I think it's just like, if we can reframe it uh, and work through our, our shit that we have around, you know, a relationship with food and our body and ourself, that we can come from this place of actually, you know, it's this really cool tool and I'm going to embrace it because it's going to give me information. Yeah, totally. And, and I think also, you know, we kind of spoke about before about, you know, um, realigning your expectations and your reality. And I think that's generally the thing that follows after that conversation. It's like, I don't want to track. It's like, well, we don't have that data. I can't do my job as a coach. And it's just like, but the goal that you want is to look better and feel better. Da, 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 da. And it's just like, well, hold on a minute. You've just told me you're not prepared to do the things that are conducive to getting that result. I'm not saying you can't by not tracking those things. I'm saying it's, very hard and it's very unlikely if you have no understanding around it. So as long as you can accept that your progress might be a little bit slower or, you know, things are not going to happen, you know, as long as you can realign that expectation with that, then I'm cool. But don't come to me and just say, this is not working. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you why it's not working because you don't fucking track anything. Like, and I think that's ultimately probably comes down to my frustration. It's just like, how do we find that middle balance between someone who doesn't want to do it and kind of going, but you don't, you don't have the understanding of how to do, do it by not, by not doing that thing. So <laughs> do you know what I mean? It beca- and like sometimes these conversations, you know, they can be hard and I've just got to go, well, what do you want to do? And they just go, I want to do it like this. I'm like, okay, cool. How about this? Let's do it for two weeks and let's just see what happens. If that doesn't work, will you then try it my way? 
yeah, okay, cool, deal. I'm like, okay, cool. We've come to a happy compromise. If after that it's not going to happen, I just got to go, I don't think we, you, I can't help you. I'm going to refer you to someone because, as you said, you've got things there that you need to work through. I, I, that's out of my scope. I can't help you with that sort of stuff. Um, so I don't get a lot of that anymore. I think we've, yeah, but it, it does happen on occasion. Yeah. And yeah, all this, like I said, it's, it's so, it's actually complex. Yeah. We, we can say that it's simple, but we've been in this for, you know, we've done, we've done the hard work, uh, but you know, our, our amazing bodies and our physiology, they can be complex. Our relationships to food can be really complex. Uh, you know, and this stuff challenges us really deeply, but if we can, you know, just think, okay, I'm going to take, you know, I'm, if I had been dieting for years or decades and it hasn't worked, yeah, if I've done this way and, and I haven't got there and I still feel stuck, well, now's the time to like choose, choose yeah. a different way, choose a new path. Uh, and you don't have to, you have to make that choice more than once. So you have to keep making it. Yeah. We're surrounded by diet culture. You'll have friends that diet all the time. You'll be challenged by new things that you hear. And this is, this is the big thing. It's, this constant searching, this searching for the right way, the reading, the listening, like the, the, the information, like it's, that is, that's causing a lot of the problem because, you know, we can build your food foundation. If you can train consistently, do mostly like, you know, body weight, strength training, strength training while we like heal you and get you strong, uh, you don't need to know anything else. <laughs> I had this conversation with one of my women the other day. She was still reading and researching and she asked me about this and, and she bought this book and, you know, she's been with me for years and we're just, we're working through, we're building her foundation. You know, she's making so much great progress with her strength and relationship to food and her energy. And I just said to her, you don't need any more information. You have all the information that you need. Yeah no more information. And this is, this is our problem. Yeah, It's like, you need to choose, you need to commit, you need to understand that it's going to take time. Uh, understand it's not going to be easy. Okay. That's why you have a team of people around you to bring the energy, to, to bring the support, to hold you accountable, to lean on for sure. You need a team of people, but you need to stop reading, stop researching, stop listening. Yeah. And just start listening to your own body. No, you don't need it. No more information. <laughs> oh, Amy, I just love that so much. I, I 100% agree with that. And I'm, yeah. you see, there's, it's less a, reading, there's, more doing. There's a balance. There's a balance. Like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't research and educate yourself, but there becomes a point, and we see it in our program too, there's these women that just don't be consistent with a long enough one thing and they message on, oh, there's, they've looked at this and that and everything else. And it's like, you've just, like you say, listen to your body, you know, and, and I ah. get women message me on Instagram and I, cause I follow them too. They're not in our program. Oh, I tried that supplement and I'm doing this. I'm like, you're doing too many things. You're just not consistent with what you need to be doing over a long period of time and you overcomplicate it, you know, and, and, yeah Craig always says to me he's like oh that's why you make progress because he's like you just you go see a coach and you're like tell me what to do and you just do it and you go all in and you try it for a long enough period of time and you get results and then you assess whether or not like you know is it working because it's like if you don't go all in and do it consistently and give it time how the fuck do you know yeah and I'm not saying don't get curious like you know like obviously 
obviously, and like, well, the, the women are coming to us and, and we can educate them that, you know, around met- metabolic nutrition and the nervous system and stress and like, you know, how to train to build lean muscle and, and we, you know, but then there is still this constant searching for, for more, for, for more the right way. I'm not even sure what, what the search is for. And it just, it just needs to stop because once you have the foundations, you know, once you work with someone that can give you a really good food foundation, a really good training foundation, you don't need much else. All you need to do is keep training, keep like listening to the body, keep, like eating food and then over time you'll just learn, you know, you, your body will be the book. Yeah. I didn't learn how to train with my cycle because the research said, okay, on this day, you know, you'll feel not great or this day you'll feel good. I learned to train with my cycle by doing it for five years just to see. And that's the same thing. It's like with the metabolic stuff. Yeah. Like, we can say eat this, have this foundation, but you're not going to truly know what works for you until you pay attention, until you write it down, until you really listen. And this is where we get stuck. Where we get stuck, I think, is that we're so busy and reality is so stressful that we don't want to slow down and listen. But you, you need to. You need to pause. You need to listen. You need to tune in. You need to understand your own body because we can only give you a foundation and then you are responsible for everything else. <laughs> mm, and you're so right. Like, yeah, your body just, I've just learned to listen to my body so much now. Like it's just, it guides you. It teaches you. It's incredible. And you just know now it works. Yeah, I know if I don't eat enough food, I don't sleep well. I've got to eat high carbs. I need high carbs. Like my body just likes high carbs, you know. You know what foods upset your digestion. Like I love those coconut or potato chips and Craig's like, can you just not eat them because you just fart. Like I don't <laughs> eat them heaps, but I'm like, I just like them too much. So I'm like, you just have to cop the farting because I want to enjoy these yeah. chips. But, you know, it's like you don't know until you try and do something consistently for a period of time to get that feedback. And yeah, just- and this is, we just get so stuck, so attached. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is bad. This is bad. This is good. You know, I can't have this. I shouldn't do this. And, you know, like dairy's bad and dairy's going to upset me and like whatever it is. But it's like, well, no, because you don't know. You don't know unless you know your body. You know, you spend mm-hmm. time, you heal the metabolism, you, you look at managing your stress. And then you do it for a long period of time and then you'll know. Yeah, no one else can tell you. Only you can tell you. Mm. Just got to be patient. I know that's hard. I'm not patient sometimes. (laughs) Now, I'm just going to wrap it up because I know Craig's got to go to Brisbane. (laughs) Yeah, Jim Bostock, our amazing friend who does, I don't know, he's like a nerve lock specialist. Craig's got this weird thing in his shoulder. Sorry. So do you want to add anything, guys, before we finish? No, we probably didn't talk as much about training as we probably planned to, but that's all right. I think it's. Uh, I we think could do it. We could do another one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, just on the training and be really yeah. on 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 point with the conversation. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah, it might be worth um, like just actually talking about like you know like the programming structure that that you do yeah. and sort of how we do things. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, let's just yeah. Let's here's the thing: like I I, I know bugger all about Olympic lifting. Like I've I've never actually done it. Like you know, there, there's obviously some you know applications or similarities that would roll across into certain movements. But 
I've never actually done it. So it's, um, yeah, it'd be fascinating to sort of see how you do that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Great, great chat. Awesome. I feel like we could chat for hours and hours. I know. know. It's good. It's good. We really obviously really are really passionate about what we do. We we all three of us really love it. And I just really want to like help women. And sometimes I want to shake and go, come on, look, come on. If you just do it, you'll be free. Like, come on. on." I just know that if they could just move part, like keep going, don't give up. You've got it. Like you've got this and you see them persist and they finally succeed. And it's just the best feeling ever, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Thank you for doing the work that you two do. It's so important. Oh, it's so nice to connect with you because I'm like, there's not, obviously, there's so many people in the pro metabolic community, but there's not really that many people that do strength training, really. Like, we don't really know anyone else apart from you. That, that, oh, there's a few other people, but like that have, you know, work with women specifically. So it's really so, um, so awesome. Thanks, Lula. Lula's introduced me to heaps of good people, actually. Yeah. Mm. I really think, I think the training is, one of the most important things it's it's a lever to connect to our body it can oh, and it's so empowering how empowering yeah. is it it's just like I feel so powerful being strong and like it's really taught and discipline and play the long game and you know it's just so exciting it's so exciting going to the gym and working on your squat like squat Craig's like shut the fuck up okay good yeah. all right yeah. strength <laughs> is never a weakness write that yeah, down yeah Craig's like <laughs> He's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go watch videos. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Amy and, and Craig. And um, we'll get Amy back on again. Yeah, maybe Amy and Craig can just do a podcast together and talk about training because I don't know about oh, that, that would just be so I don't know anything about I just know how yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> Craig just wants to leave Kitty out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would probably be okay. better. Because I don't have any, I don't know how to write a program. I just know how to lift. Yeah, for sure. Craig and I can jump on and we can just talk about the training. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I'll, after this, get on and I'll book it in your diary and you two can do a training one together. Yeah, okay. Okay, great. Okay, great. All right. All right. All right, okay, go. Okay. See you, bye. Bye.